0: Hallelujah. Can you see me behind the kids? I know I'm little like them, but give it up for our faith kids. Wish I had all that energy again, y'all. I got tired just doing my little walk. Anyway, God bless you. You may be seated. If you could give a round of thanks to our praise team, our media, our sound. Everybody worked so hard to make today very special. What am I doing next? Am I just preaching now? All right. You guys can go. Yeah, they got me confused. I knew I was on. I just need my, uh, I need this. Yeah, thank you, baby. I just need my pulpit. Yeah, praise the Lord. Wow, what a wonderful start to Easter Sunday. Amen. Nothing better than giving Jesus our first fruits of our day. Amen. I want to acknowledge the young man who rapped, Galen. He wrote that, by the way, spoken word. He wrote that powerful, life-changing, first time he's ever performed before, so I am so proud of him. And we had some of our youth singers up here today, and Sierra, who did our beautiful illustrated dance. We just, these are all our in-house kids. Isn't that beautiful? And I'm just so proud of them today. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you today for this time that we have to just share the word of God. Jesus, you are the reason we are here today. No other reason but to lift up your name and give praise to you, God. I ask, Lord, as we share the word today, let it be living and powerful. Let it give hope. Let it give revelation. Let your word release truth that only the power of your word can truly do, Father God. We sit in your presence today just in awe of your glory and your goodness and your love and your hope. And I just pray, Lord, that you just touch hearts. Let us hear what we need to hear today, God. And that's just how powerful your word is. It divides to everyone who needs to hear their piece of hope and love and joy. And we just thank you for moving on our hearts today. In Jesus' precious name, everyone said. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, I have a uh, message for you today, and it's my Easter message, but I titled it called Consider Jesus. And I want us to take a few minutes today and consider Jesus. What is so wonderful about today, there are thousands of churches everywhere and millions of people that are sitting hearing the good news of Jesus Christ and hearing his hope. And that is what is so wonderful about today, that we are in an atmosphere where we can hear the hope and the joy that Jesus gave us on the resurrection of the cross, amen. And so I want to share with you this morning is what does it take to get right with God? What does it take to get right with God? You know, we're living in a world that is very deceiving and deceptive. And I find that the culture of the world is coming into the church. And there's been such a a bleeding of the two that it's really hard to define what the church of Jesus Christ should look like in this hour. Matter of fact, after Easter, I'll be doing a series called The Culture Versus the Church. And I really want to combat the differences to see how culture has come into the local church and how we as the Church of Jesus Christ are going to have to push out the culture because the culture doesn't change the church. The church changed the culture. And that's where the Spirit of the Lord is moving in this hour is God wants his church to shine the way that he wants them to shine so that we can change a dark and broken world because the world is dark and only getting darker. And the world is broken and people are hurting. And the Bible says that what sets them free is the truth. And that's the word of God. Amen. So as I share this today, there's this kind of theology that has happened in the world that people just feel like it really doesn't matter what you believe. Right? As long as you're a good person... As long as you've lived a good life, as long as you've been sincere in your life, and and that all sounds really good, but Jesus made the way to break off things in our life. And Jesus is the way, and being good enough is not what it's going to take to get to heaven. That's not what it's going to take for eternity when we pass this earth and we go before Jesus. What's going to get us to stand before Jesus and enter into eternity is knowing that I gave my life to Jesus. And I said yes to a Savior. The world would say there's many roads that lead to spirituality. There's many ways to get to, get to heaven. There's many ways that you can find hope and truth. And in reality, we're going to look at the word of God that there's only one way. There's only one way, and his name is Jesus, and he was sent by God the Father to take on the sin of our life, but we must say yes to Jesus. There are not multiple roads. There is one road. And thank God he made the way, amen, that I can say yes to him and he can figure the rest of the junk out in my life. But I know that he is a part of my life. So we've got to be careful that we're not allowing the culture of of the world where we're being lulled to sleep through this love message, that we love them so much that we don't realize that we're in a dangerous zone, that we can send people to hell. Because we tell them, well, as long as you feel good about it, as long as you have, you know, a right feeling about this direction. Well, the Bible says that we're a living sacrifice and I'm to die to my flesh. And serving Jesus and surrendering to Jesus, it does cut the flesh. But there's a surrender to him that he becomes all in our life. Amen. If you look at the culture, even in in the world today, there's very little controversy about God. You can mention the name of God and it almost seems safe because there's a lot of gods out there. They may not be talking about our God, Jehovah, right, the God Almighty, but there's gods that are out there. There's spirituality. There's higher powers in the world today. So when you mention God or spirituality, you don't really get kind of a feeling from somebody. But the moment you mention Jesus... Jesus, the name above every name. When you mention Jesus, all hell begins to shake. Demons on earth begin to tremble. The hatred against God and the Antichrist spirit in the world today hates the name of Jesus. Because there is a a surrender to Jesus, a bowing down to him that gives you eternal life, that gives you freedom, that gives you victory. And if the devil can lull the church to sleep and go, well, you're okay. And you're ineffective for the kingdom of God, and that's what the world is doing. And unfortunately, it's coming to the church where we have desensitized the name of Jesus. We have desensitized who He is and what He did on that cross for our life two thousand years later. If you listen to Hollywood for five minutes, what's the most blasphemed name? They don't say God blank Buddha, God blank Islam. What does that Antichrist spirit do? Blasphemes Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is God Almighty and he is alive and the devil hates him. And so we get desensitized with the power of the name of Jesus that the church becomes weak and moving in that supernatural power that he has called us to move into as the church. We're to look at Philippians 2 this morning. I love this. And it says this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Do you see why the devil hates the name of Jesus? You can be comfortable with anything in the world, but don't surrender to Jesus. Because when you give to Jesus, you're going to bow your knee to a risen Savior. Amen? And of those things in heaven, and of those things in earth, and of those things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Remember that song, there's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no other God but our God, our risen Savior who moves in all power and all authority. But the enemy wants to minimize that name. Why? It keeps people away from the salvation experience. And you know what's so hard is we have friends and family members that struggle. They struggle with things. They struggle with their identity. They struggle with hope and and addictions and fears, and we want to just make them feel better. Well, it's okay. You're going to be okay. But we've got to be careful because without Jesus, they're not okay. Because the answer to freedom is Jesus. The answer to the identity to survive in this earth and where this world is going is going to be knowing who you are in Jesus. And if you don't know who you are in Jesus and the word of God, you will struggle in the days to come because the enemy is just getting started. Because he wants to stomp out the church. He wants to shut the mouths of believers. He wants to make the church weak and anemic so we don't stand up with authority and who God says that we are and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many are not ashamed this morning? I know you're not. (laughs) So you look at culture, even in the word of God, almost no one debates the existence of Jesus. No one does. They know he existed. They don't even debate Jesus' message, right? Those who are trying to detract the gospel and break it apart, they don't deny that Jesus was real, and they don't dislike his message. Jesus talked about love. He talked about helping the poor. He talked about forgiveness, blessing, and serving. They loved his message. So why would people so controversial about Jesus? What is it that makes Jesus so controversial in the world today? And I believe it's because it's the exclusive claim that Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. Why else would the devil raise up and say, well, there's many ways when Jesus is the only way? So religion, not the world, the world, when they hear Jesus says, what must I do to be saved? When the world sees the power of God, they want to bow down to the power. When the the world sees gifts and speaking in tongues and the manifestation in the church and the supernatural, they're not afraid of it. They want it. It's the religious people that are afraid of what Jesus is about to do. So it was always the re- religious people, right? So, Jesus is the way the world would make it inclusive. Everybody should be treated equal, no one should be left out. All roads lead to God. Now, should everybody be treated? Yes. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about taking the message of the gospel, the truth of the word of God, and pointing it back to Jesus. What does the word of God says? As Christ followers, we have to remove our emotions from what we think and feel. And we've got to love people so much that I will tell you the truth with hopes that it will set you free and not be worried about what you think about me or what you may write on social media. All I know is you got to have Jesus and you got to get set free, and you've got to get healed and delivered, and if you don't like me for a minute, that's okay. You know why? Because I put the word of truth in you, and when the word of truth in you, God can begin to move that truth, and you know, when you speak truth to people, you're probably going to make them mad, but be glad, because all they're going to think about is how mad you made them. Why? Because that truth is going to live on the inside of them and begin to activate God's voice, God's purpose, amen, God's ears to hear the repentance of God in their life, amen. There's power at the cross. We cannot negate what Jesus did at the cross. Jesus was the one who laid his life down. All of our sin was put upon him. And he rose again. And as the, our young man said, the keys of death and hell he took and he gave them back to you. You cannot diminish the power of the cross and what Jesus did for us. The only way is through Jesus Christ the Son. John fourteen six says this. Jesus answered and said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why? Because he laid his life down. He took on the sin. Listen, no one could take his life from him. No one could take it. He died on that cross because he laid it down. He said, yes, I will take the sins of the world. Yes, I will take addiction. Yes, I will take abuse. I will take whatever it, it takes so that the people once again can have a relationship with God the Father. I saw this video um, a couple days ago. And you remember in Scripture where it says they took the hyssop with the wine, they dipped it in the bitter wine, and they fed. They put it on Jesus' lips. Well, I didn't know the history of the hyssop. And the history of the hyssop is in the um, Bible days, they would have their restrooms, and there would be a water, like a there's like a little well that would come around the restroom areas, and they would take the hyssop, I didn't know this, and they would dip it in the water and they would clean themselves after they would use the restroom. And I went, and that's the same hyssop they used to dip in a bitter wine and put at our Savior's lips. The mockery the spitting upon, the culture turning their back on Jesus. And he said, I will do it because there are generations of people that I'm going to come back for one day. And I will take everything on them so they don't have to work their way. All they have to do is say yes, yes to me. And when you receive that, that free gift, it comes into your life. Amen. So there may be some good things in other world religions. I believe that there are but you have to understand they're not close, nearly close to the same as the message of our Savior. If you look at, I just briefly wrote down some things this morning about other world religions and Buddhism, there is no God. There's no type of fight. There's no type of final existence, countless rebirths, and eventually there's an end of cycle. In Hinduism, there's an impersonal God. There's no relationship. It's approached through deities statues and idols going through other things that are are lifeless and dead with no power no laying down their lives if you look at buddha and hindus together there's no forgiveness of sin and there's no supernatural help only karma so i only get what i give and that goes both ways if i give bad i get that back And if I give good, I might give good back. There's a karma. There's no place where I can release my sin and my unforgiveness covered by the blood of the lamb. There's the new age, which is so huge here in Arizona. And the further north you get, the worse it gets. But there's no personal relationship with God. There's a higher consciousness. You're the better self. You can better yourself. And and you worship more the creation than the creator. And Scripture is clear about that. I love creation. I'm back to hiking, everybody. I've lost a little bit of weight. It's, it's fighting me. It's like a tug of war, but it's coming off in Jesus' name. But, and it's something beautiful. It's God's, and it is wonderful when you get out there. It's so special. But that is not what we worship. Creation did not lay their life down for us. Jesus did. The creator laid his life down. And we have his ability in our life. And then you look at Christianity, where there's a personal God. Where I have a relationship with that creator. I have an intimacy with God. I can hear his voice and he hears mine. I can feel his love. I can feel his presence if I'm walking through the park or taking a shower. Because that's the the beauty of the cross of Jesus. He laid his life down. He rose again. He took the power of God. And that is the Savior that we serve today all these years later. Amen. People are made right With God through Jesus Christ. You cannot be made right any other way. And, you know, even in the Christian church, we get caught up in our, we come to church, we worship, we tithe. We get caught up in these works that makes us feel right with God. But even those good things is not what makes us right with God. I'm right with God because Jesus made a way for me. And I have a relationship with God if I never do anything for him. And you should, and I'll be teaching on that next week. But I'm not doing that for approval. Amen. I'm doing it simply because he is my savior. I want you to look at Matthew 17, verses 13 through 15, and it says this. Enter through the narrow gate. See, Jesus laid down his life, but he was saying there's this narrow way. It's not a wide way. The way to heaven, the way to God is going to be the one way through Jesus, he said, for wide is the gate, and that's what the world's going to present, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Listen, we're coming into a time where hearing this message of repentance, of Jesus being the only way, is going to fade farther and farther away. Because the enemy wants to kill the message of Jesus being the way. And the church has to get back to this rare message that coming to Jesus is a narrow road. And it's a road where I lay down my life and I say yes to Jesus and whatever comes what may I will take on whatever comes in that in that relationship and God will clean me up it's not getting perfect but it's getting through the door it's saying that I'm not going to look for anything else to make me happy no relationship no addictions no sexual pleasures nothing is going to make us happy it's the one way the narrow way the gate that Jesus stands at the gate and he's saying come because I already paid the price for you Narrow is the way that few that find it. Go on to the next part of that verse. It says this. Watch out for false prophets. For they come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Listen, church, we've got to be awake in this hour. Wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. Because the devil's going to send in false prophets. And they're all over social media who have a word from God. And they are deceiving voices to lead the church away. Hear me by the spirit. Not all voices in this season are going to be pure. You have to have wisdom and discernment. And that's why a pastor and a church and a community and people who can help lead you and guide you in this next journey of the church is going to be crucial. Because the devil wants to come in and deceive people. The Bible even says it in Matthew 24, verse 10. It says this, many will fall away from the faith. How? Because wide is the game. You can come any way you want. As a pastor, I already read Ezekiel that if I don't tell you the truth, your blood is on my head. So I already decided that ain't happening, y'all. I love you enough to preach you to a message that is maybe not popular, but it is the truth. It is the truth. Why? Because I went through that narrow gate. Jesus changed my life. Jesus gave me hope, He gave me peace, He gave me joy. Life isn't peachy king and perfect, but I know I have a Savior who's with me and never leave me, never forsake me. Because that's what Scripture teaches us, amen. Many will fall away from the faith. And listen to what the rest of this says. We'll betray hate. We'll betray and hate each other. Do you see that spirit in the world today? Like a vengeance. Getting us to hate one another. Picking sides on everything that you could pick sides on. And I won't go down that road because I'm going to stick with Jesus today. But I'm excited to teach that. I think you guys will be, I think you'll be blessed to hear these messages coming because we need to know how to face the culture, don't we? We need to have the answers. And I, I want to equip you with that. So let me ask you this this morning. As I'm asking you to consider Jesus, I'm not asking you about a church, I'm not asking you about a denomination, I'm not asking you about. Being like another Christian. Because how many know there's some crazy Christians out there? I mean, let's just keep it real. There's some crazy Christians. So what I'm asking to consider Jesus, it's not about any of that, it's to consider Jesus. What he claimed when he was here on earth, what other people said that he did, and what he actually did. So let's look quickly this morning. I have just a couple minutes. Number one, consider the ministry of Jesus. As you're considering Jesus in your life, consider his ministry. How did he treat people? If you found Jesus, you always found him with the down and outers. You found him with the tax collectors. You found him with broken people because Jesus came to heal the broken. And in Mark chapter 2, it says this. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, remember, religious leaders, saw Jesus eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, Jesus did not come to be around perfect people. He came to be around those who are broken, those who need revelation of truth, those that need hope in their life. Amen. Let's continue to go. Um, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, "Is it not the healthy? Is it not the healthy who need a doctor?" No. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And yet the devil makes us feel like you're too unworthy. You've got too much garbage going on, too much in your past. And Jesus is saying, wait, I didn't come for the perfect. I didn't come for the spirit, super spiritual. I came for the sick. I came for the broken. I came for addiction. I came for failure. I came for those things to set you free. When you consider Jesus and Christianity, that's what you are considering, a Savior that has all power given by God to set me free. Amen. He didn't come for the religious leaders because, why? They rejected him. The religious people, you got to be holy. You're never going to be holy enough for God. You're never going to be worthy enough for Jesus. He came for those who were despised. If you look at Jesus, the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. Not a rumor, and they went and got her later. She was caught in the very act of adultery. And she was brought before everyone in shame and humiliation. And Jesus loved her, and He said, "You, without sin, cast the first stone." Why am I considering Jesus? Because He forgives everyone, no matter where you've been or whatever you've done. Amen. So, not only do we consider the ministry of Jesus, but let's consider the miracles of Jesus. Again, they don't they don't attest the miracles because they happened. They were there when the miracles happened. Uh, bl- um, blow, uh, blinded eyes were open, the deaf ears they heard. The mute, they spoke. The dead were raised to life. Lepers were cleansed and healed. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Listen, we we are coming into a season of supernatural in the church of Jesus. There is a supernatural power coming to God's house, and we need to have a mindset to be ready for the supernatural. I'll give you a quick example. I was uh, watching this video on TikTok, but it actually happened to us when I was in the Philippines. But um, when we were in the Philippines, we had a, a, we'd made a bean soup for these kids that we were going to feed. And the kids show up and they have like a bowl or a cup or some, they bring something from their house and we put the soup in whatever size it is. So we made just enough soup that was normal for our outreach and what they normally do on that location. Well, Tons of kids came that were more than, the, than what they had prepared for. And the pastor had spoke to the leader, and I was standing there, and he says, I don't know what we're going to do. I do not have enough food for these kids. Well, next thing I know, they had the kids line up. And you know that one barrel of bean soup, and Quinn was there, she can attest. We scoop bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl. Listen, there was more left over. Why? Because God is supernatural. We've got to get out of this carnal carnal mind mentality that everything has to line up. God is showing up in a way that doesn't make sense. And we've got to be expecting God to do the supernatural. Amen? I wish I had more time to tell more stories, but we'll tell more in the next few weeks. Amen? So let's look. What would I say? Okay, critics didn't question the van- van- validity of his miracles. They didn't question his miracles. What did they want? They wanted him to stop it. They wanted him to stop performing miracles. They said, whose power is he doing this? They didn't question that he raised the dead. He did it. But they wanted him to stop moving in the power and authority that he was moving in. Listen, I look around this room and many that aren't here today that for whatever reason, but our church is full of people that have been touched the direct result of the power of Jesus at the cross. In this church, addiction set free, marriages restored, the power of God coming back to their life. So many miracles that have happened in this house because they met Jesus. Miracles happen when you meet Jesus. Amen? We are different because of the perfect love of God in our life. All right, let me go to number two really quick this morning. Consider the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not only his works and his miracles or his message, but consider the resurrection. Jesus was all man and he was all God. And he took it on willingly. He lived a perfect life and he became sin for us. And he suffered horribly. And he was mocked and he was ridiculed. And, you know, the Bible says that he loves us so much that he laid his life down. But he also says, I hate sin. Yeah. See, God is a just, justice God. He has to have justice. And that's why we have to bring our sin to the Father, because there has to be justice. Loving you is not the question. It's covering you with the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. That's where the message of the cross comes from. Amen. Peter denied Jesus, but he was transformed by the power of an empty tomb. You are standing today facing an empty tomb a Savior that has risen. And there is power to transform your life when you see that tomb empty and you see Jesus risen from the dead. And Paul, who was a blasphemer, a killer of Christians, when he encountered that empty tomb, it changed his life forever. And he preached one message of revelation, and 3,000 people started the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. Listen, when you face the tomb and you know that he has risen, he will change your life. He will give you everything back that you've desired in your life. And in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, it says this. Peter said this. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. Amen? He has risen, and we serve a God with power and authority. And number three, consider the eternal message of Jesus Christ. How are we made right with God? It wraps up into this one scripture, Romans 3.22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Let me read that again. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who who believes, no matter who you are. Listen, the most important decision you can make in your life this morning, and it would bring me joy and it makes heaven celebrate, and that is you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And maybe some of you are away from the Lord, and God's saying it's time to come home. Prodigal sons and daughters, God says welcome home. Maybe there's some things that you've been away from God and you need to get things right in alignment. Or maybe you're here and you really haven't had a revelation of what I've been speaking about today. And Jesus says, all you have to do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be born again. And we'll come alongside of you. You need discipleship and mentorship. I'm not saying that. But it is a choice today to say yes to Jesus. And I'm not talking about a religious experience. I'm not talking about if you've been coming to church since you were five years old. That doesn't get you to heaven. That's right. What gets you to heaven is saying, you are my Lord, yeah. and you are my Savior, and you laid your life down for me. And I don't get it. Listen, when I came to Jesus at 18, I didn't get it all either. But all I knew is I needed my Savior. I needed a relationship, a relationship that was broken. I needed it restored so that I can have hope in my life, peace in my life, and hear the voice of God to lead and guide me for the rest of the time that I'm here on earth. God wants the same thing for you today. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, and I was raised in a Christian home, but I came to an age of accountability. And I remember when God just, pastor in a worship service, said, Let's just spend time kneeling in our pews. Shows you how long ago that was. I didn't really know the Lord was drawing me. I just happened to be in church, and I had some friends there, and I didn't know he was preparing me for the future that he had for me. I just was in that moment. I remember there were blue pews, and the pastor said, let's just spend some time if you want to kneel or sit, or let's just take time in the presence of God. That is such a lost thing in the church today. But I remember sitting there, and my girlfriend leaned over to me, she goes, you've given your life back to Jesus, right? And I was like, yeah. But I didn't. I've been coming to church all those that time, whatever time frame it was. I, The truth is, there was a really cute guy there, and I kept showing up for him. God will use whatever it takes. He's a fisher of men. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, but I remember sitting there, and when she said that to me, I was like, yeah, I've been coming to church all this time, and I've not given my life to Jesus. I've just been coming to church. And so I remember sitting there, and the Lord began to pull on me. And I, I counted the cost. It wasn't like this emotional, like, yeah, hallelujah, I'm going to serve Jesus. Because how many know that doesn't last very long? I counted the cost. And I looked at my life and said, okay, there's some friends that's got to go. There's some placing I'm going that I can't go anymore. There's some commitments I need to make. And, and I, I mold them over. Because I knew when I made this decision, I wanted to make this decision. And I've not been perfect by far. And I'm still learning. But that day I gave my life to Jesus on my knees at a pew in Rockford, Illinois at Faith Center Church. I've never looked back. Jesus became everything. He changed me. He taught me. He led me to great mentors and churches and community that helped me in my walk and my journey with Jesus. And God has the same thing for you today. All he's saying is we account the cost. We account it. And just say yes. Don't figure it all out. All we have to do is say yes, amen. I want everybody just to stand to your feet for just a moment. And I'm going to ask you to say this prayer with me this morning. And I believe there are many coming back to Jesus, prodigal sons and daughters. I believe there are some who are just going to say yes for the first time and let God become a reality. And maybe you just need to say yes to the will of God in your life, whatever it is. Let's give Jesus our yes today, amen. Whatever it is that we're hanging on to, let's give Jesus, all of us today. So I want you to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of all of my sin. Forgive me of pride. Forgive me of rebellion. I receive your grace, your forgiveness, and your love. Lead me, Guide me, set me in a good church, give me good mentors, and I will follow you. I say yes to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to, if you said that prayer today and you meant it with all of your heart, just raise your hand up this morning. If so you said yes to Jesus, coming back, surrendering, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, we have Bibles for you today. We have go-to-guest services. we got a Bible. We've got a discipleship program coming up in two weeks. We want to partner. Don't do life alone. That is the worst thing you can do. Let us come together as a church family and love you back to life. Amen? Amen. I love you so much.